thanks for joining me for episode three of Freak Like Tea, where in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, it's so important for fans to be able to support the bands and musicians that they love through buying their band merch, now that touring's no longer a source of revenue. So with that being said, my next guest has played on Slash's Snake Pet album, runs his own podcast, In the Trenches, teaches online guitar lessons, and is one of Alice Cooper's current touring guitarists, as well as running a magnitude of his own solo projects. It's Ryan Roxy. Let's begin. So how are so you doing? I am doing good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. These are these are weird times to say the least. <laughs> Yeah, I try to use the C word as little as possible these days. I'm trying to look at it as a positive because I'm getting a lot of stuff done. I'm getting a lot of, uh, I'm getting a lot of podcasts done. I'm yeah. getting a lot of music written, and hopefully, I'm reaching a lot of people uh, with my guitar lessons because there's a lot of people that have that time now yeah. and uh, they want to start learning something new. Well, yeah, I was, I was just taking the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like you say, you've got to take the positives with it as well. So for me, this is actually, like I explained in my message, you can't tour anymore, so you've got to find different ways of to to build that revenue, your livelihoods, basically. And obviously, yeah. the next biggest source of income is band merch. I mean, for me at least, I'm obsessed with as much band merch as I can get. It's I'm one of the best ways that people can support bands yeah. is by... Wearing their t-shirt. Obviously, if you want to buy the music, and that's always a great thing, whether you buy vinyl or CDs, the physical merchandise. But you know, as far as streams and you know, checking out people's videos on YouTube, that's amazing. But it doesn't promote anything close to how you can promote a band by wearing just by wearing their t-shirt. So I'm very lucky to have a lot of. Uh, people and I call it the Roxy Guitar Army mm. that uh, proudly wear the shirts and I have a, a wristband that I a red white blue wristband that I usually wear that identifies them as well so yeah I'm I'm kind of happy with the merch that I have and it's yeah. available yeah I was gonna say that as well because obviously I have looked at the merch that's available on your website and you've got these um, lucky 13 guitar picks which are really cool because they make like a little collage when you've got all of them Together. You have to have all 13 of yeah. them. Yeah, I call it the Lucky 13, and that was made by a pick company called Grover Almond. They're based out of Australia. Um, okay. I work actually with two pick companies. One is based in the United States, and they're Omega Picks, and the other is uh, Grover Almond. And they've been making some great designs over the years. Design-wise, do you get an input in what kind of designs you want to put on your stuff? Yeah, I mean, I get ideas sent to me a lot, and believe it or not, I get ideas sent by fans and graphic artists, because people that enjoy my music, luckily, are much better at graphic arts than I am, and uh, some of the people that are in my sort of inner circle team that I'm doing my whole guitar lesson project with, they're great at graphic artists, uh, at graphic art, so... I'm open to pretty much a lot of different designs and ideas. Um, that's why I do have so many different designs mm -hmm. of picks. A lot of those designs come from the guys at Omega Picks. They say, what do you think about this? And then they'll make a very limited run of them, which is cool because they become sort of collector's mm -hmm. items. And 
they become special unto themselves, and then people sort of trade them and for them. And yeah, I, I like that whole guitar pick world of the merch aspect. Yeah. It's always really special as well when you catch them when you're actually at a gig and you've got a story to go behind them. I've learned how to not fling them anymore because I've seen too many close calls where if you fling it a little too hard, you know, that little piece of plastic could actually do some damage. Yeah. I mean, our, our drummer in the Alice Cooper band, he actually had to go through a lawsuit because he tossed a stick into the audience, a drumstick. I mean, I know a drumstick is not the same as a, as a guitar pick, but the same thing, it inflicted some damage and he had to go through a whole lawsuit thing with it. But uh, as far as guitar picks now, I've learned how to gently sort of toss them into the crowd and usually, yeah, it is kind of cool when I see people actually catch them. Yeah, well, it's fine if you catch them, but if it like bounces off and you see this whole like they suddenly turn into a pack of hyenas, like, fighting for her. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like going to, uh, the, not the circus, but, like, I guess it would be the county fair when I was growing <laughs> up, and you try to throw these uh, ping-pong balls into a little uh, cup, and if you yeah. got it in the cup, you get to win a goldfish that unfortunately passed away two days later. <laughs> so you grew up in California? I grew up in Northern California, yeah, California, yes. So you growing up, obviously around the idea of band shirts, again, what bands were you listening to growing up? Did you have any of your own band merch of bands that you loved? I was lucky enough to grow up in the Northern California area of early Metallica. Um, classic rock mm. bands like Journey were super huge. Um who else was from the Bay? I mean, so many Bay Area bands yeah. uh, went on to become big during that era, and I all had great merch. And I remember back in those days, my favorite merch item was a uh, jersey, a baseball sleeve jersey, three quarter length, and would have a different color sleeves. And then you'd have the usually the band logo and the tour dates on the yeah. back. It was classic concert T-shirts, and I remember actually. My buddy, growing up, uh, Kirk Nelson, I still remember his name, it, he was the first guy that I ever met. I mean, we were both must have been about maybe 6th, 7th grade. Mm -hmm. He bought himself a silkscreen uh, operation. He made it himself. I mean, he probably had his parents help him with it. But he was silkscreening his own shirts Shit, okay. back in, like, the late 70s. And I thought it was so impressive. So I... Used to wear a cheap trick bootleg shirt, an ACDC bootleg shirt. So I guess you could say I was wearing bootleg concert t-shirts before I was actually selling them. <laughs> so with these bootleg t-shirts, were they? Was it just the logo, or did you actually have like one of the um, classic designs on them as well? Well, he would he would sort of stencil the actual logo and mm -hmm. sort of do it himself and then make the silk screen out of it himself. So I remember he had a cool little business going because there was a lot of us rock and rollers that even at that time, going to concerts, uh, a t-shirt was still expensive. And mm -hmm. I think the t-shirts at that time was like maybe, you know, 10 or $15. But to us, that was, uh, you know, expensive. Now they're mm -hmm. much more, obviously. But uh, I still think it's the best way to promote a band, which is oh, wear yeah. the t-shirt. Mentioned earlier as well that you've got your own podcast, um, you're doing your own guitar lessons. With your podcast, um, In the Trenches, 
You're yes. also, you're interviewing Nina Strauss, Felix from Bon Jovi. Is that just the pastime? Were you able well, to... The whole concept of In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy podcast is to sort of get people that are in similar positions. Maybe some are above, maybe some don't have the same experience, but maybe some have multitudes of more experience. But people like myself that have been playing primarily guitar, I have... I've, interviewed other people that play different instruments as well, singers as well, but have been working as a musician, might not be a household name as of yet, but they're associated with someone that is, and how they work through that and how they eventually, you know, kick, scratch, bite, claw their way up to the top where they do become uh, more of a household name. Obviously, Nita Strauss has really done amazing with her brand, her name, and her presence uh, since the time that she's joined Alice Cooper Band. Mm -hmm. I've had some other guests that uh, have done the same. Phil X from Bon Jovi Band. Um, I just interviewed uh, Steve Stevens from the Billy Idol. So, you know, one of my guitar heroes. That's a cool, another cool thing about the podcast is I get to talk to people that um, are my guitar heroes as well. Mm -hmm. And we get to sit back and talk equipment and then talk life experience. And I think they kind of open up to me a little bit more because either I've played on the same stage with them or we've played very similar stages uh, throughout our career. And I just yesterday uh, did an interview with Jared James Nichols, and that should be coming out real soon. And he's one of those, um, like, you know, I feel he's already there, but uh, a lot of people are, are just discovering how great a guitar player he is. So look out for that podcast coming up. I saw you guys play with Alice Cooper back in October in London. So when did this tour end? Well, we just found out that our dates were postponed mm. basically two or three weeks ago because when everything really hit the fan. And uh, we were actually supposed to be right now touring the U.S. and Canada with Lita Ford and Tesla, I believe. Um, but we had just gotten back um, right before everything started to shut down and uh, the news really hit hard. We had just gotten back from an Australian-New Zealand tour mm -hmm. where we toured with um, MC50 and um, an amazing rock band out of Australia called Airborne. Yes. So we had done a great, uh, a great tour with them all across uh, Australia, New Zealand. So we flew back getting ready to do this U.S. tour, postponed, bummer, but now that lit a fire under our asses to think of new ways to sort of promote our music, mm -hmm. promote our uh, agendas, and sort of find out, okay, what's the next stage that we're going to play? They're going to, you know, if this thing is going to shut down on a public stage for right now, what other types of stages <laughs> can we start playing? You know, what other types of places can we perform and do our thing? It's funny that you say that because um, me myself, like I said, like I constantly wear band shirts, but I also I don't use streaming services. I've always physically bought CDs, and to me, when I listen to music, it's not just it's not just that one song that you'll forget about in a week. I will listen to an entire album for weeks on end and completely yeah. get into a band, which not a lot of people my age do anymore. No, no, it's definitely something that I commend you for because it's the same way that I grew up a fan of bands um, 
when I was growing up and discovering music, I grew up a fan of bands, not mm. just songs. And I thought, you know, with the invention of CDs, all of a sudden you have this easy way to go back and forth or shuffle. And that kind of took a little bit of the experience out. But then when you have streaming, it's pretty much you only listen to one or two songs from each band. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up listening to music, it was vinyl the first time it was popular. Not yeah. now, when it's a revival. But I was listening to vinyl, so you listen to the whole side of the record, and you flipped it over and you listen to the next side of the record. Yeah. And usually you'd do that a couple times and you'd really be into that band. Exactly. Bands are needing to find new ways to connect with audiences. Do you think that fans nowadays also, you're being forced to look at things differently, to do things differently. Do you think that after this whole pandemic that fans are going to have a new found like respect for the bands and the music that they're listening to? It's not just a one-time thing. I think there will be an allegiance of the bands and the fans coming to even closer together. Now, especially during this time that we have because let's admit it, we have more time uh, to focus on the things we really do like. Mm -hmm. That's why I've been pushing my guitar lessons and, and my Kickstarter campaign with the guitar lessons mm -hmm. so much. It, it, our, our campaign was going to come out either way uh, in, the I think, the middle first week of April uh, while we were on tour with Alice because that's mm -hmm. the best exposure to do it. But when I saw that people are going to be indoors and we already have a beta testing uh, system for the lessons set up so that people could start learning guitar immediately once they pledged to the Kickstarter campaign, I said, let's do it right now and get people playing guitar because what that's going to do is get them hopefully closer to me as a guitarist, uh, me as an artist, a recording artist, maybe they'll come check out my music. Obviously, they'll get closer to Alice Cooper music because there's a lot of songs that you can learn about Alice Cooper in my lessons as well. So, I mean, this whole thing has come together, again, looking for the positives of a, of a weird situation. We can look at it as, as, as the fans and the bands coming closer together. Brilliant. So your guitar lessons, what do they sort of entail, like how long are they, where can people It's super from? simple, we're calling it the System 12 Guitar Method. 12 lessons, um, basically, I haven't guaranteed it yet, maybe that's phase two, once I'm done with the official version of it, yeah. Yeah, like I said, we have a beta testing version of it out there that people are learning from right now as they go to the site and uh, pledge, but you basically will learn how to play guitar in 12 weeks, you'll learn the fundamentals, you'll learn... 12 riffs and songs, uh, 12 lessons, all about 12 minutes long. And if you spend to, if you spend the time to practice each lesson each day, um, maybe a little bit more than 12 minutes, you're still going to get huge results out of it. And I feel it's it's taking pretty much all my experience as a guitarist, a guitar teacher, and someone that's sort of experienced a lot of the life hacks and how to make shortcuts happen learning the guitar. Yeah. I, I show you how to see the guitar the way I see the guitar, and I think it helps a lot of people. Yeah, that'd be good. I've had a guitar for about eight years, and I still only know how to play about five chords. You know what? <laughs> try, the, try the System 12 guitar method. You will be my... Uh, You'll be one of our guinea pigs in the beta <laughs> testing area because we have a lot of people, like I said, we call them the Roxy Guitar Army. Mm. We're building this slowly and every day more and more people are turning on to this method and they're really digging it. 
again to your band shirts, it's not just your merchandise as well that I've seen here, you've also got t-shirts from when Alice Cooper played on the last Motley Crue tour, you've got ah, yes, some yes, from I Bloodstock. Like, what do they call that? I mean, something, uh, one man's, one man's trash is another man's treasure or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, basically stuff that I've been collecting over the years. Different concert t-shirts, uh, different tours that I've been on through the early years of mm -hmm. Alice. Because I joined Alice initially in 1996, and then in 2005, uh, when I moved to Sweden, I took a, a bit of a break. So I was on hiatus for about six years, joined up again in 2012. But a lot of those early tours and subsequent tours after that, I've kept maybe one or two merch items from each of those tours. Okay. And I had them in uh, in a big old suitcase. And my wife said, it's time to clean out that suitcase. You, know, you can take pictures, post them up, and those memories will serve greatly. But maybe... It would uh, it would be an even better thing if you sold those pieces of merch and yeah. put the money towards charity. So oh, that's, nice. that's well, uh, yeah, it's a good thing. Do you have a specific charity that they're going to at all? Um, basically, a lot of the times, whoever buys the piece, I'll ask them what um, oh, okay. cha what charity they would prefer to be sent, and then I can put it you know through them. You know, the charity they want, obviously, through the money that sends to me, then I send it to them. But uh, a lot of the ones that, that, that I usually, my go-tos, are ones that have very low administrative costs, and they have pretty much out of every dollar spent, like at least 96 cents and above goes to the cause. Doctors Without Borders is, is one that we uh, support a lot, and... I know that there's a lot of people out there as well that want to see music and arts types of charities supported as well. Of speaking of um, your oh, it's not even here. Um, your music. There are some song titles that are stuck out to me. That something about pigeons being annoying. <laughs> <laughs> pigeons are rude. That's the one. That, that, I did have it up, but pigeons my pigeons are rude. That was uh, from a band called Dance <laughs> Porno Mag. Uh, yes, to be politically correct in 2020 I guess you would call it DPM um, <laughs> but it was a track that obviously has a grunge feel to it yeah. the album was made you know pretty much grunge post grunge right around that time and uh, produced by Gilby Clark it was a power trio band so if you want to hear some um, pretty straightforward guitar driven rock that's that first uh, DPM record and I think pretty much you can find it. You can't find it online, but the only place you can find it with physical stuff is at my merch stand, is at my merch store under uh, the Roxy Box. It's included in that. Brilliant. Um, speaking of the, the sound of your music as well, obviously I've been listening some, to some bits and pieces. Thanks. The genre of each individual song that I've been listening to has been completely different to the last. Like you've got a bit cool. of jazz fusion in there, there's a bit of grunge, it goes a little bit Indian places. How do you, is that just, does that come about with different people that you play with? Or completely by design, yeah. Be completely okay. by design, because to be honest with you, my favorite records when I was growing up were from bands that had a spectrum of music. I just mm -hmm. didn't, I didn't want to hear, you know, 10 or 12 songs of the same song you know i wanted to hear what kind of 
you know, spectrum these musicians had? Where could they push it? What kind of different styles of music could they sort of showcase in their songs? So obviously it goes way back to the Beatles being one of the premier bands that does that. Yeah, and I think everybody from there on is, is influenced by it at one point or another. At least my favorite bands are. But during that era, Queen, for instance, mm. News of the World, uh, came out in 1977, coincidentally. That was one of my quintessential albums where it features so many different types of songs, types of styles of music, and that's where Brian May pretty much became my guitar hero. As a cool. established um, guitar player, are there any new up-and-coming bands or guitarists that you want to you wanna promote to other people to go and listen to? There's definitely some great new artists out there. I discover them uh, every day. Uh, I go, I just go onto Spotify and I find a song that I like, and I'll press radio because then it'll find out similar types yeah. of bands. And I've been turned on to so many bands like that. But like I said, as far as guitarists go, Jared James Nichols. Jared James Nichols. I just interviewed him for my In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy podcast. Um, go check out his playing, his albums, and check out the podcast, please. Um, as far as bands go, um, one of the guys I play with, Robbie Miller, he, uh, plays in, he plays guitar in my solo band, but he has his own EP coming out as well, so look out for his EP, Robbie Miller. A couple other new bands that I really enjoy listening mm -hmm. to is Bleach. That's a brand new band of uh, mm -hmm. young uh Young dudes that are just killing it. Another power trio. And they're based out of St. Louis. Go check out their song. And um, it's not White Rabbit. But White Reaper. That's what White it is. Then, go cool check name. out a band called White Reaper. Well, thank you for taking the time. And you know what? We'll get as much creativity and as much work done in our rooms as we can. Yeah, exactly. And uh, when we get back out there, like you said, there's going to be a newfound appreciation yeah. for all things. Not just music-wise, but touring-wise, and sort of the relationship that we have with the people that support our music. Exactly. So, thank you. You can find Ryan's guitar lessons at ryanroxy.com forward slash private hyphen lesson. Follow on social media at Ryan Roxy. And listen to his podcast on YouTube at In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Follow Freak on Instagram at freakjazz666. Twitter at freakmag666. Facebook at freakmagazine. And subscribe on YouTube.